We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman, and we're going to be talking about the 49ers' third and final preseason game. Final preseason game. Thank goodness. The Niners are in Houston. They play the Texans. Sounds like the starters are going to play at least a little bit. Let's talk about who we're going to watch and what matters in the 49ers preseason finale. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. talk about the 49ers preseason finale in Houston but we're not going to start with Trey Lance for the first time in God knows how long this podcast is going to address the quarterback situation but not going to do it first and the reason for that is I love when you have <laughs> I love when you have nuggets <laughs> and I love when you say stuff like I asked around (laughs) (laughs) and you have, you have some takes on, on what's happening on the 49ers offensive line. That is at the top of the list of things to watch on Thursday night. Yeah. So Jason Poe, who has become kind of a cult favorite over these last few weeks, um, got reps with the starters at practice the other day. And Kyle Shanahan was kind of dismissive about it. And I think Kyle Shanahan just in general and like watching that press conference just didn't seem super thrilled with whatever was happening in that moment. And, you know, sometimes he's, you know, he's a football coach. Sometimes things happen and then he has to go to a press conference when he, when he doesn't want to. Um, But he was asked about Jason Poe getting first team reps at left guard over Aaron Banks and was largely dismissive of it. Um, And so the feeling I got was like, Jason Poe certainly seems like he's going to make the team. Um, Is he going to push for the starting job? I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but my read of it is it, it feels like 
it's a way for the coaching staff to send a message to somebody like Aaron Banks, right? Because Jason Poe does, does has endeared himself to the coaching staff a lot with his mindset and the way he plays and the physicality he plays with and the urgency he plays with. And sometimes other guys don't share that same level of urgency. And sometimes a coach will say, all right, do it like this guy, right? Like this guy is doing it how we want it to be done. And we're going to reward him with some reps. So that's, that, that's my feeling on it. Like, which isn't a great sign for Aaron Banks, right? Cause like, this is a guy who should have urgency coming into the season. And maybe he felt like he didn't necessarily need to because he's really been the only one getting reps with the starters at left guard, but it might've been, you know, from Chris Forrester or Kyle Shanahan, whoever made that decision, like kind of a wake up call to banks, like, Hey, you know, you're not cruising to a starting job. You're going to have to win it. Um, So again, like my, my feeling is that, I, w- I would still be very surprised if Jason Poe ends up winning the starting job. It would be, it's already a great story. Like Eric Branch, our pal wrote a really strong story for, uh, for the Chronicle about Poe that everybody should go read. But um, it's just fascinating because Poe kind of went from somebody who was like, yeah, probably like a practice squad guy to somebody who's like the coaches could be using to motivate other guys because they're like no we like how he's doing it go do it how he's doing it trent williams loves him yeah trent williams Williams brought him big jason poe guy yeah trent williams brought poe to houston with him to work out with him and spencer burford wow man uh one of the things i'm looking for with Poe, because I think I think you're probably right. I'm guessing Banks will at least get the first crack at starting in the regular season and see how it goes. But I'm wondering if we see a scenario where Poe probably isn't going to start against Houston. But I wonder if we see one of those situations where, hey, he's alternating series with the ones or he got a they play. Let's say the ones play four series. He plays the fourth series with the ones. Or he like plays a second series and then Banks gets the third and Poe gets the fourth. Like yeah, because Shanahan's yeah. done that before too in the preseason. Yeah, that's what that's what I meant when when I said alternating. So it, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. And if it if that happens, depending on how they look in that game situation, I would be more more open or less surprised by Aaron Banks not starting. Yeah, which yeah, is it, which is pretty wild. It would be, I mean, it would be like the ultimate kind of crazy story. Just out of nowhere, this guy from Mercer who went undrafted, who wasn't even invited to the combine, who would be like one of the smallest guards in the league, just comes in and not only wins a roster spot, but like wins a starting job. And look, over a second round pick. Over a second round. Yeah. And, Again, I don't I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm still expecting Banks to do it just because Banks has more physical tools and the Niners invested so much in him. But I mean, Jason Poe's so athletic that like would you be blown away if Jason Poe is like a fullback on a goal line situation? No. And like I formation. Like he used to play fullback, right? 
when when he first got signed, that was the that was one of the thoughts. It's like, man, this is just a bowling ball of a human who's probably too undersized to play on the offensive line. He doesn't play center, or at least he didn't in college. Doesn't play center. Probably too uh, too undersized to play guard, but he's a really good athlete, so maybe they'll put him at fullback and see how that goes. And he's just kind of stuck at at guard. The Just to, real quick, drive the Mercer point home. Mercer has had four players in the NFL, ever. Who are they? Can you name them? Well, I can because I'm looking at the list. Okay, yeah, that I was asking you to, because I, I have zero idea. Oh, you were asking me to name them. I thought yeah. you were like, can you name them off the top? Like, <laughs> no, man, I can't, actually. <laughs> um, all right, so we have... I'll start with the most recent one, Wesley Duke. Yeah, Wesley Duke, he went undrafted in 2005, and he was a tight end. Oh, Big West, of course. Yeah, yeah, Big West. And he played for the Broncos and got waived the following year during the offseason program. Before that, you have to go all the way back to 1939. Al Owen, he was a halfback. He played for four seasons. Then Les Olson, uh, brother of Moore Olson, played for five years between 34 and 38. And then Dutch Irwin, of course, was the first one to do it, a halfback who played in 1920. Jason Poe is literally different. <laughs> I once I wouldn't say that's an illustrious list. I mean, no, depending on how you feel about of the illustrious, Olsen, for sure. Depending on how you feel about the Olsen brothers, but right. <laughs> no, so I I mean it's it's one of those sort of unexpected, really cool stories, I think. And also, like given the potential versatility that he has. Like you probably might feel better about having, say, three tight ends on the roster if you feel like, all right, well, we have a guy who we could at least move around in an H back fullback role and use as a blocker, like if we absolutely have to. Sure. Right. Um, not that he's gonna like do what Kyle Uzcheck does, but like really the point of a fourth tight end is to have like an extra blocker like that. Yeah, like an and extra if, offensive lineman. Yeah, and if Poe's that athletic, then maybe just maybe he's that guy. Yeah. It's remarkable. Branch also wrote a story on Poe early in the offseason. And basically, when Poe tried out for high school football, his coaches were like, do you want to be the team manager? <laughs> it, it, they were they were like, don't play this sport. It's not for you. And then he goes to like, he winds up playing in high school. He goes to like Lenore Rhine or some small college. And then I feel like mercer i i have my i might have this backwards but mercer didn't have a football program for a long time and just recently brought their program back i i feel like is is a thing like i said i might be i might have that backwards but it's just it's it's unbelievable and if he even made the roster it would be it would be one of those like I don't, be a big I, upset. It's well, it's it's one of those it's one of those things that we would point to that I say we pe- people who 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 keep track of the 49ers really close and every time an undrafted rookie does anything in the preseason it's like, well hey, if Jason Poe can make it. Like this guy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it 
the difference is like he's being used by the coaching staff potentially to say, Hey, do it like this guy, you know, like Marcus, like Marcus rush Vic Fangio wasn't like, Hey, Marcus go show Alden Smith how to do things. Good point. (laughs) You know, like that's very good point. That's the difference. Like, so, so there's, there's ways to like star in the preseason. That's like meaningful towards a roster spot. And there's ways where it's like, yeah, you're, you're playing well among a bunch of scrubs mm-hmm. relative to, you know, NFL players. But um, no, I think Poe, I mean, clearly they think highly enough of Poe to have him in this position. So that's, that's very interesting. You know, and that'll be something that'll be fun to watch on Thursday as fun, like as fun as a interior offensive line situation can be sure. in a preseason game. This is kind of like the ideal narrative you'd want out there, right? Of like, hey. like, there's never been uh, in in my memory. There's never been a better preseason storyline involving an interior offensive line. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you usually know? it's like, yeah, maybe that guy. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I don't it's think like Aaron gonna... Banks or Jalen Moore. Like that's super not compelling. Right, right. But now it's like, oh, this guy who's like way too small and comes wasn't even invited to the combine and comes from Mercer. And now he's like getting first team reps like crazy like that. So that that's like a real it's a real thing. Jason Poe, you keep referencing him as being undersized. He's listed at six one three hundred pounds. But I think he would be like legitimately the shortest guard yeah, in the league. Yeah, that was I was enhancing your point. Okay. He would be the shortest guard in the league, and I think three hundred is probably among the lightest. That's on the low end for sure. Like if there if there's another three hundred pound guard, it's probably someone who's like six four and like kind of leaned out. Oh, totally. Right. Let me I'm, I mean leaned out relative to six four, three hundred pound dudes, but right. Let's see. Um Hey, that's funny. Donovan West, undrafted center, 6'4", 300. Is exactly what he's listed at. Um, Aaron, Banks, Aaron Banks, 6'5", 325. Jake Brendel, 6'4", 299. Daniel Brunskill, 6'5", 300. Burford, 6'4", 300. Yeah. The 31-inch arms are, are Jordan crazy. Mills. Jordan Mills is listed at 6'1", 211. I don't think that's right. <laughs> No, I don't think that's right either. <laughs> I don't. Tanner Brunskill was listed at 240 pounds for like the longest time, that's like his first funny. season with the Niners. It was really funny. Like go on their websites, like Daniel Brunskill, offensive line, six five two forty. It was like, eh, <laughs> like no way. Right. George Kittle says they just they just snagged his college weight when he was playing tight end at San Diego State. Right. That's super funny. All right, um, let's talk. Let's talk about the quarterback. Let's talk about Trey Lance. Sounds like he's going to play. Kyle Shanahan said he hasn't decided formally how much the starters will play, but he said no more than a half. I'm guessing that will depend as the game goes on. Yeah. If they light it up in their first drive and go 15 plays and they score a touchdown, they're probably done. But if it looks like the Green Bay game did, where the first drive is okay and then they score a touchdown on the second one, I bet they get a third and maybe a fourth, depending on how the third goes. So I think we're going to see probably a lot of Trey Lance tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, I I just think the offense is going to look so much different during the regular season. 
like that that practice where the the Niners clearly got upset with beat writers for tweeting out details of of plays like there there is a whole set of plays that's going to get absolutely zero burn in the preseason that is going to get unleashed and we're going to be like like my kind of sneaking suspicion we're not going to talk about Trey Lance like you know RG3 is a rookie and and how everyone like made a big deal about like wow this is a completely new offense no one's ready for it but I think there's going to be elements of like surprise like oh yeah Kyle Shanahan can do all these crazy schematic things that doesn't really require Trey Lance to be an unbelievable quarterback right that like that and so the quarterback the quarterback he has to be in the preseason is not the quarterback he'll have to be in the regular season right so like for me one of my biggest takeaways from the Packers game in, in regards to Trey was just how comfortable he looked. Yeah. Like he moved around in the pocket. He kept his eyes downfield. He never panicked. Right. Like really one of the telltale things for me, for quarterbacks, when it comes to pocket presence is can they move around and maintain their eyes downfield and not fall over themselves or run into a sack or just, you know, like there are a lot of quarterbacks who feel pressure bring their eyes down and then start to escape and basically neglect everything that's happening downfield. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the really promising things about Lance is that he doesn't do that. Yeah. And I think for a young quarterback, especially that's pretty impressive because I think that takes a certain amount of confidence that generally comes with experience. Yep. And of course, Trey Lance is super inexperienced. So like, you know, the, and I, and I think sliding, after scrambling was another example uh, along those similar lines of like totally and Trey Lance is comfortable like he's not panicking he knows what to do and the offense can function like I think it's a big deal that Trey Lance doesn't have a wristband with all the plays on it yeah I mean not now anyway right but like I don't think he will during the regular season I've never seen him have it at practice so like yeah it's a complicated offense and he's got it down mentally to the point where he doesn't need the play sheet. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo needed his whole first season with the 49ers, albeit, you know, coming, you know, mid season and, and completely different circumstances. But just as an example, like Jimmy Garoppolo, a veteran quarterback, needed that early on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think you just want to see Trey Lance be comfortable. Obviously, you want to see him be accurate. I'm glad training camps over from the standpoint of like, we don't have to deal with the overreaction that comes from, you know, the, the stats being reported and the interceptions and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times like, yeah, he threw a pick, but some practice squad receiver ran the wrong route. Sure. (laughs) You know, like, so, and we don't, we're not privy to what all those assignments were. We just know Trey Lance threw an interception. That right. was probably ugly where, you know, nobody was, but it's also like, or well, we're missing a whole lot of context from that, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, for, for Thursday's game in Houston, just look comfortable, get the ball to the right spot, avoid any hits. Hopefully the offensive line for his sake will, you know, play well in front of him. Um, I'm curious to see who's going to play. You know, Shanahan says starters, but like, is George Kittle going to play? I don't know. Steve going to play. Probably not going to play. I would think Ayuk's going to play, but I would imagine like the second con. I bet, like, you know, I the bet big Debo comedy. gets a series. 
Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. Is Jeff Wilson going to play? You know, I guess Jeff Wilson could probably knock afford to knock a little bit of rust off. Yeah. Um, are they just going to keep riding Trey Sermon into the ground to try to get some good runs out of him? And enhance that trade value? I think it's kind of to the point right now that if they cut Trey Sermon and wanted him on the practice squad, I bet they could get him there. Man. <laughs> unless like you might you might you might be right unless like you unless I think what you're about to say some team just is like yeah hey there's a former third round pick like let's get him in the room well there's a guy that we were really high on before the draft because yeah. I don't think anybody could look at Trey Sermon's body of work the last two years and be like yeah we're claiming him we're giving him a roster spot right, right. now it would have to be somebody who like loved him during the draft and think shout shout out shout out to the coaching staff that looks at Kyle Shanahan's track record and goes, he didn't know what he was doing with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was bad hey, fit. We're, we're going to be the coaching staff. Mike McDaniel? Mike McDaniel going to do it? I mean, uh, he got an up-close view. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alec Ingold, the, I, I wrote about this at, at NinersWire.com. Alec Ingold, the former Raiders fullback, he's now with the Dolphins, got asked about Kyle Juszczyk in his press conference. And I'm paraphrasing, but basically was like, his tape is teach tape. The tape I watch to get up to speed in the offense is just 30 plays of Kyle Juszczyk doing everything perfect. And yeah. I just thought, I thought that was, I thought that was really funny that, because it's not just that that Kyle Juszczyk's really good at what he does. He's like the only guy doing it. Right. There's not. It's not like there's there's thirty fullbacks in the league to pull tape from. And it's, it just drove home how unique what the 49ers do is. Yeah, it's funny that like when they first signed Kyle Juszczyk in 2017 to basically the same contract, they just gave him again. Yeah. It was like a big hubaloo, like. Oh my God, they're paying a fullback how much? 
and then you see what happens the next four years with Kyle Shanahan's offense, and they do it again. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Barnwell <laughs> still says it. <laughs> yeah, well. Shout out Bill Barnwell. Yeah. If he wasn't smart as hell, I wouldn't bring it up. Barnwell's very high on Trey Lance. He, he is. Very yes. high on Trey Lance. Very high on the Niners' skill guys. I think he ranks the Niners as third. Wow. The third best skill position group in the league. Yeah. I think that would become, and we'll get back to the preseason game here in a second, but I think that would become kind of a consensus take if Brandon Ayuk breaks out this year. Yeah, I mean, you could have what do you have, 840-something yards last year? I think 863 was, 863. was the number. He, so he has almost 900 yards despite virtually missing the first six weeks of the year. I think he had like six catches for 96 yards the first four or five weeks or whatever it was. So if you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both going over a thousand yards, plus George Kittle, plus Elijah Mitchell was eighth in the league in rushing last year. He played eleven games. Like there's a very real chance that that's like an elite, elite group. Brandon Ayuk has put it all together yet. Brandon Ayuk as a rookie played in twelve games, had eight hundred and twenty-five yards from scrimmage and seven touchdowns. Yeah. Remember a lot of that was at Debo. He really Still. broke out when Debo got hurt. Yeah, no, he was su- well, he's super impressive. Yeah, and no, it's, it was it's after his rookie year, it was like, oh, he might be the best receiver on this team. Right. And then Debo actually had the breakout. But right. yeah, I mean, watching Brandon IU practice this summer was like, yeah, he's he's good. I thought the same thing last summer, and then he fell off. Right. But yeah, no, he's what what's really interesting is how well all those guys complement each other. Mm-hmm. It's a very well put together roster. Like Brandon Ayuk can run deep and can, you know, put cornerbacks on their heels with his speed and make contested catches, right? Mm-hmm. George Kittle is going to be nasty over the middle, can be really tough for linebackers to cover. Obviously, safeties are going to have a hard time matching his physicality. He's going to be an outlet on third down a lot, I'm sure. And then you have Debo Samuel, who's just like, the queen on the chessboard who you can line up anywhere and right. on third and seven do a running play too. It's like, and all of this stuff is, it's just going to make Trey Lance's Trey Lance's life so easy. It's just, it's funny. Like maybe I'm just too optimistic about everything, but like, it's just funny to me. That's uh, I don't know about Trey Lance. I don't know about Trey Lance. It's like, are, are we, is the discussion so singular that we can't factor in the environment that he's in, the supporting cast that he has? Yeah. And the track it... record of like Kyle Shanahan, what he did with RG3 was completely different than what he's about to do with Trey Lance because that supporting cast was like Pierre Garcon and Alfred Morris. And Alfred Morris is what, undrafted? And Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed? <laughs> so, Pretty like. Jordan Reed guy. And that's it's not to say it's a bad supporting cast, but you got like two all pros and a potentially breakout receiver and you know, still Trent Williams, but like it's it's just like, man, I, I think I don't know. I don't think it's so it's solely about Trey Lance. I think so many of the plays I I bet half the but, passing plays that he's gonna run, he's gonna have to make one or two reads and it's gonna be to an open guy. Yeah. And it's it's Here's the thing with his accuracy. He's not going to complete 40% of his throws. If it's that, then okay. But is he going to get to 60? Like, maybe not. 
but I bet he's really close. Yeah. And with what this offense is and and is going to be, I I think that would be fine for year one. I don't know how sustainable that is long term. I think he'll have to get better in that area if he's at 58, 59% as a rookie. But at, in his rookie year, if he can get to that number, like they're gonna they're gonna score a lot of points. They're gonna move the ball. Yeah, and he also pushes the ball downfield. Like sure. Wagner had the stat. I forget exactly what it was. Niners had the fewest attempts of 20 plus yards downfield. He had it. He, he wrote a good piece about um, Trey Lance today. Nick Wagner, ESPN. Favorite cast member. Shouts to Nick. Favorite cast member. Uh, another preseason thing on the offensive line. Colton McKivitt's going to start at right tackle for Mike McGlinchey, who is, quote, not healthy. I think we talked about that earlier in the week. Shanahan but... said, he said after we recorded that pod that, um, he he's optimistic McGlinchey will be ready for week one. Okay, but if he's not, yeah, I think watching Colton McKivitz to see kind of how he holds up at right tackle is is worth keeping an eye on. Again, it's the Texans; it's the preseason, so you're not going to glean everything. But if he's getting torched, <laughs> that's that's a that's a problem. So that's that's just another thing that I'm keeping an eye on on the offensive line. I wonder if we're ever going to get to the point, and I'm not saying Colton McKivitz is good, but in a big picture view of what's happening at right tackle, you have to consider the fact that Mike McGlinchey's in a contract year. Yep. And given all the big money contracts the 49ers have given out and the fact that they don't really have, I mean, they don't have a first round pick next year. It would behoove them to find a very cheap option at right tackle and i don't necessarily know that we can rule out colton mckivitz potentially being that guy it's it's way too early obviously it's super early but when you look well, at put like a pin in that yeah just put a pin in it like for the season right because sometimes we see guys like this sort of emerge as like okay that was like a backup or whatever and like oh now this guy like we're comfortable enough starting him like and that's they- that's a realistic thing that could happen this season, I think. And maybe Mike McGlinchey comes back in week one or week two or whatever and just is really good and yeah. and he's the guy moving forward. But no, I, I, I definitely think you're right. But if you pay McGlinchey, you're paying him eight to twelve million a year, right? Sure. Which is not nothing. And you could potentially I mean if it's if it's anybody else, say that say they even decide to kick Spencer Burford out to right tackle which isn't inconceivable given his skill set, right? You would much rather have a guy making, what, $4 million over the life of his rookie contract rather than yeah, McGlinchey, if, if, if the difference is negligible in terms of production, sure. right? Sure. Because, like, they're at the um, point, they're at, they're at the point with, like, having to pay Bosa and everybody else. It's like, right. you have to think about that stuff. Definitely. Just painting painting context for the I'm gonna preseason a, finale. I'm gonna bro. put a pin in that for the bye week episode. <laughs> we can revisit the right tackle so this is gonna be a, contract this, situation. It's gonna be a March conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh anything else on offense you're dialed in on? Running back competition. We should probably talk about that. We talked a little bit about Trey Sermon. Jordan Mason has been a popular name for 49ers fans. Set a couple of nice runs in the preseason. I still don't think he makes the team because like we talked about last week, every team has a Jordan Mason. 
every team has a player that tears it up in the preseason and their fans are going, you can't let that guy go. There's no way he gets through waivers. I'm guessing Jordan Mason would get through waivers and the 49ers be able to put him on the practice squad. What's your confidence level that he gets through waivers? 80%. I'm probably at, I'm probably closer to a coin coin flip. Really? On Mason. Yeah. I honestly like, I think he run like he just hits the hole so fast. Sure. And he's like a big dude. Mm-hmm. And so many offenses now run Kyle Shanahan's offense. Hmm. So I'm just I think it's it might be closer to a coin flip. But the thing is, is like, do the 49ers really care? Are they ever going to get to a point where they're like, I mean, I mean, maybe because they do tend to dip to the practice squad, but they could also sign another guy. I don't know, but if they're like I said before, like if there's one position I'm not better, super worried about, it's running back. Better generally. chance, to, better chance to make the team: Malik Turner or Jordan Mason. <sighs> Malik Turner. Okay, better chance to make the team: Jason Poe or Jordan Mason. Poe. Okay. Now, if you wanted to do I, like Carry Hyder or Jordan Mason, I might go Mason. Okay, Hassan Ridgeway or Jordan Mason? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go Ridgeway, just because okay. I do wonder. We, I, that it's a good way for us to switch to defense, but I do wonder if like how they feel about the need to have like an actual run stuffing nose tackle type player. Yeah, because he's like Ridgeway's the only guy that they have that sort of fits that mold. Just a big, gonna eat a couple blockers and. Yeah, just Pick like a space. big stout like guy you play on first down. Right. It was like Kinlaw's. I don't know if you want Kinlaw at that being that guy at yeah, this weight. Right. Well, and the whole thing was in college he played nose, and the whole point of drafting him was well he's going to play three tech, and he's not going to have to line up over the center, and he's going to get to utilize his athleticism and strength and speed more. And so if you're throwing him back at the nose like that just kind of defeats the purpose of having him yeah i agree and but since they drafted him eric armstead has sort of assumed the three tech role that's true that's a so good point. i, I kind of think kin like the way kinlaw's body has been now, dunked on <laughs> no, but i kind of think i think like kinlaw lost like 30 pounds right i think he's being self-conscious about becoming a pass rusher Huh? Because I I initially thought like okay they moved on from DJ Jones they feel good enough about Kinlaw who's like obviously massive. It was like Kinlaw used to have a super thick lower body, mm-hmm. right? You remember those pictures from like his rookie year when they massive. first put the uniform on? He looked yes. it like didn't make any sense, and now he looks like a basketball player. Yeah. Well, hmm. like pretty jacked, a, a really enormous <laughs> out of place basketball player. <laughs> Yeah, but he's what six five, six six. Thinned out for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I like he looks more. He looks closer to Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner than he does a, a typical nose tackle. I would say. So I just yeah. wonder if that means like, yeah, maybe they should keep Ridgeway because like if they lose Kerry Hyder, I honestly I can't even picture a Kerry Hyder rep at practice in my head. And I don't know, has any, like, I don't know how he's even played in the preseason. Like, have you, have you seen Kerry Hyder flash in the preseason? He's made a couple of plays. 
Okay, so led the team in sacks in 2020. FYI, it's Chris Kasser's guy. Sure, but is he making it over Kamoko Torre or Jordan Willis or Charles Amenahu? He might make it over Jordan Willis, depending on if they feel like Jordan Willis can kick inside. I don't know. Special teams hero Jordan Willis. That's him. The one and the same. I don't think Kerry Hyder is playing special teams, bro. All right. <laughs> As you sip your water. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, better chance to make the team Brock Purdy or Jordan Mason. <laughs> oh, man. I'm picking Mason on that one. Uh, I'll take Purdy just, just to be contrarian. Sure. All right. Let's talk about the other. Let's let's dive into the other side of the ball a little bit. You had, you had. I'm talking. I want to talk in second level. You had Marcelino McCrary ball on your 53 man roster over Dimitri's playing in fouls. A shout out to people with three names. B, or hyphenated last names, I should say. Yeah. Uh, B. I think that's really interesting, and it's something I'm going to watch really, really close on Thursday night. Yeah, I, I watched. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like it's a new special teams coach. So you knew um, Richard Hightower, the former special teams coach, loved Demetrius Flanagan fouls. Mm-hmm. With the new special teams coach here, I don't necessarily know that that's to be true. I don't. Th- I don't think it's untrue, right? With with mm-hmm. Schneider now as a special teams coach, but like, I don't know. I I just didn't. I I watching. Flanagan fouls in the Packers game. He just didn't really. There were a few plays where it's like, man, that's not a great rep. And if you yeah. get to a point where you have to play him, like he would, he might be a guy that's like a real liability. And sure. would you take the slight hit on what you have in your special teams guy? If the, the if you feel better about the other guy as a linebacker, one well, McCrary ball could probably learn how to play special teams. Right, for sure. Like, and how big's the drop off between him and Demetrius right. Flanagan Fells? That's good. That's kind of what I'm saying. It's a good. It's a good sign for the 49ers, by the way, that this is where the minutia of their roster is. Like, we're not like, hey, who's going to start at the Sam linebacker spot? It's like, hey, who's going to be the fifth linebacker, and can he contribute in kick coverage? Yeah, like we think we know all the starters are, but we're like, oh, left guard, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's. It's a good roster. It's a really good roster. Yeah. I'm I'm telling you, man, this I'm not I've not been this optimistic about a 49ers team in years. Yeah. It, it's it's would it, would I feel uncomfortable you, about it, but I, it, I think they're gonna be really good. Would it surprise you if if we're sitting here in February and they're getting ready to play the Bills or whoever? And we get all the like national pieces on the Niners front office has done a great job and look at how good this roster is and top to bottom. They're so good. And Javarius Ward and they found Emmanuel Mosley and they stuck with Jimmy Ward and they found Talano. Like it just wouldn't shock me at all to see those stories being written in February. Defensively, it doesn't feel like they have a big weakness. No. Like you Again, could say, but this are, is all this is all of course barring injury. Like yeah, barring injury. Case for every team. You're like, well, I don't know if they have a real nose tackle. Like, okay. <laughs> right. That that real nose tackle is gonna be playing, you know, ten snaps, you know, 
it, it, right. anyway, doesn't matter. Um, I don't think they have any real issues on defense. The great equalizer in the NFL has always been a pass rush, and the 49ers might have the best pass rusher in the best pass rush in the league and best with, pass rusher with one of the best pass rushers, right? And yeah. Nick Bosa, who is somebody like do we talk about Nick Bosa all that much? No, we just kind no, of like put because... him in this category, like, yeah, there's not much to say he's just a baller, but like maybe when like when games actually happen and he's actually playing during games. So... Because they just put him in bubble wrap. They're like, yeah, we don't. He does not need reps. Yeah, Shanahan said that he wouldn't care if he just showed up in week one. Like he would care, obviously, but he's like he'd feel comfortable playing him if Bosa just showed up at week one and was like, okay, I'm ready. He did it as a rookie. He missed the entirety of training camp and the preseason with an ankle injury, and then came in as a rookie and was immediately one of the best players on a defense that had DeForest Buckner and Fred Warner on it, right? And Richard Sherman, right? Who was an All Pro at that year, right? Crazy. Oh, speaking of Sherman. Um, Hang on. Can I okay. finish my Bosa thing? Sure, real quick? Sure, sure, sure. Um, first of all, him whiffing Jameis on in that first game is always going to be funny to me. Because Jameis put an okie doke on him that I don't think he was ready for. But anyways, that's a different thing. <laughs> I had to I had to for for my other job at their radio station, 957 the game in San Francisco. I don't talk about it a lot. Um I had to prepare like questions about the 49ers this year. Just for this this thing we're doing. And I had to write a question about Nick Bosa. And it was the hardest question I had to write because like, what, what do you, what do you like? Can he win defensive player of the year? Right. That's it. That's, that's where he's at. Yeah. It's not like, how does he get better? Like, can how many, or like, can like, he, yeah. Can he get to 20 sacks? It's just, it, it's like, Hey, <laughs> how close is he to being the best defensive player in the league? Like that's literally where the conversation is with him. He's the type of player who you like. It would surprise zero people if he ended up with a defensive player of the year award at some point in his career. Yeah, he might be the he he might be the front runner going into the year. Like, would it would it shock you if coming out of week one, he sacks Justin Fields four times? No, because that like, bears up that bears offensive it's line so is so bad, dude. abysmal. Holy cow! <laughs> no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, the thing is, there there are a lot of really good pass rushers, but like Bose is certainly in the Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, uh, T.J. Watt, Joey Bosa discussion yeah. of like the elite of the elite. So, like, any of those guys could win a Defensive Player of the Year award, in my yeah. opinion. But Bosa could certainly, if Bosa stays healthy and he gets, would would anybody be shocked if it's like, yeah, Nick Bosa, 22 sacks, 17 games? No. EP to wide, Niners win the West. Like, that. Yeah. Some of that might have table. to do with how good the Niners are. Like, you know, if the Niners are end up being, like, the one or two seed in the NFC and have the best defense in the conference and Bosa has 22 sacks, like, that would probably do it if the Niners. Yeah. Sadly, like it, you know, if the Niners were like a wild card team and Bosa had twenty two sacks, and he might not get it. I bet he would. If he has twenty two sacks, I think he's winning DBL. Yeah, fine. I mean, that's fair. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like some sometimes well, those awards are predicated since, on team success. Well, and a, and a and especially since, especially since the the I don't want to say the narrative. I hate that word. The feeling around the 49ers is their defense is going to have to carry them. They're going to be defense and run game because we don't know what they're going to get out of Trey Lance. So I think that's already in his favor 
when you're talking about that award. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to like turnovers, I think is going to be the big number for the Niners defense. That's why we don't talk about Nick Bosa, by the way. She's like, is he going to win DPOI? Maybe. All right. Next thing. Well, there's not a whole lot to say because it's like, yeah, Nick Bosa took three practice reps and got sacks on all of them. And they just don't even play him in the preseason because they're not worried. It's like, there isn't really anything to say until he starts playing in regular season football games. Yes. But I'm not expecting him to play in Houston. Same. Sorry, I just I just got an alert. Tyron Smith, the Cowboys left tackle, sure avoided an ACL tear, and there was a collective celebration. Um, but now Todd Archer from ESPN is reporting that uh, Smith suffered a severe injury to his left hamstring in Wednesday's practice that could cost him multiple months. Thanks. Not great. No. But that's I mean when you talk about the NFC that if the Cowboys offensive line isn't good, I think they're going to struggle to move the football a little bit. And Nick Bosa was not easy for them to block in the playoffs last year. No, no. Tying this whole thing together. Nice job. <laughs> um, How about free safety? I think it's going to be Tavarius more. I think so too. Just, I, I, so I asked you after last game, if it was a concern at all, or like a red flag that he played into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And you brought up like probably not. He looked in the Packers game like he needed reps, like he just yeah. looked like his head was spinning because he hadn't played football in a year and a half or however long it had been. Right, and two other safeties were unavailable to play in Minnesota. Yeah, and then they right. just shot. They just signed Tayshawn Gibson just to take some of those reps. I'm I'm assuming they're just going to let him play the second half or whenever they take more out. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I bet more starts a free safety and winds up if if Jimmy Ward is in fact out for week one, which it sounds like he will be. Good news that they didn't put him on pup, where he'd have to miss four games. So they're optimistic that he'll come back in those first two or three weeks. But I, I think more probably starts there. Yeah, I would say more and Dante Johnson would be the two candidates. Yeah. Yep. Sammy Womack, your guy. Starting nickel locked up. Sam, I mean, you would think. You'd think at this point. Diamador yeah. Lenore's had a nice nice month, I would say. Yeah, it would be it would be huge for them because when you look at the 2021 draft, Ambry Thomas is out hurt right now with anything. You have Aaron Banks, who we just talked about, has been kind of a disaster. Trey Sermon, we talked about earlier, been kind of a disaster. Um if they could wind up hitting it with Elijah Mitchell, if Talanoa Hufanga is good and, and Trey Lance, Trey Lance. Well, that's, that's where I was, I was getting there. <laughs> um, if Trey Lance is good, none of nothing else matters. Like the draft class is a success, but if Diamondor Lenore is also good and they're hitting on Lenore Hufanga and Mitchell with late fifth and early sixth round picks, like that's how you build a long-term Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and one of the issues, as good as Kwan Williams was, and I think it's pretty fair to say during his time when he was healthy with the Niners, he was like a top five nickel. But he could only play nickel. He wasn't a guy mm-hmm. who could play inside or out. And Lenore might be Lenore and Womack might be able to play both, which right. would just be helpful for them 
to have that versatility in case of injury. And like, that's one of the reasons they love Dante Johnson so much is he can basically play anywhere in the secondary. Well, and not only that, but when like, I know the Rams get all the, the, the headlines for how much money they spend because they trade their draft picks for their stars, but the Niners draft their stars and they trade late mid and late round picks for Trent Williams. But a guy like Kyle Juszczyk unheralded signing, but top of his market, they draft George Kittle. They draft Fred Warner. Um, Nick Bosa. The, Nick Bosa. Debo Samuel. Brandon, like they, the Eric Armstead. They've drafted all these guys and they're paying out the ass for them. But the only way that works is if you are hitting on, and this is the big key to the Rams, is they load up on late round picks and they figure out draft those guys and they have them for really cheap for four years and they plug the holes that the stars aren't filling. And so if you're getting Talanoa Hufanga in the fifth round and Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round and Sammy Womack in the fifth round, and that's how you're building out your secondary and building out your roster, Emmanuel Mosley, undrafted guy. Like that's, that is massive. If you're going to have such a top loaded roster, like the 49ers have. It's the same with linebacker too, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Fred Warner, third round pick. Aziz Alshire, undrafted. Dre Greenlaw, fifth round pick. Yeah. 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 So they're paying Warner, but Alshire and Greenlaw are against the cap, like close to nothing or virtually nothing. Nothing in NFL terms. Yeah. Right. That's a, right, right. Against the cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Richard Sherman, I think, is going to be on the pre the pregame the halftime yeah, show amazon. and the post game on amazon prime i'm looking forward to seeing that because obviously said Richard sherman's gonna be on the and i got really excited well i mean <laughs> you know we could we could try it we could try to make that happen dude shoot your shot man um yeah i mean you know i could anyways he's gonna be on pre and post i can hit the, hit the two-way <laughs> um but yeah i'm I mean, one, Richard Sherman is one of my favorite people I've ever had the pleasure of talking football with and life with in general. He's just a high-quality human. But also, clearly, he has very unique insight to the 49ers. Mm -hmm. And I know he's going to say, oh, the secondary is underrated, blah, blah, blah. But I'm curious what he says because I don't think he's – I don't. I mean, we'll see. I don't think he's going to, like, pull any punches if he has something negative that – you know, because, like, Sherman's trying to make it. And the way you make it in broadcast journalism is you don't be like if, especially if you're covering a former team or a team that used to play on, like if he just gasses it, everybody up on the Niners, it won't look as good as Mm -hmm. it would if he like actually heard something negative and addressed that directly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious because I'm, I'm curious to see like what his concerns are. So Chris Collinsworth was on, was on a podcast I listened to called the press box. Really, really good. With, with Brian Curtis and, and David Shoemaker. And Brian was interviewing Chris Collinsworth. And Collinsworth talked about when he started broadcasting in the 90s, the hardest thing is when you first start broadcasting, you're broadcasting games with guys you played with and against. Yeah. And those guys will look at you different if you criticize them. And so Collinsworth talked about having a hard time criticizing guys early in his career because they were guys he played with and knew they were his peers. I don't think Richard Sherman has that same filter. I think he has an immense respect for for players he played with and against, but I also don't think if um, if Jimmy Ward has a terrible game that he's 
that Sherman is is part of the crew on. I don't think he's going to have a hard time being like, Jimmy Ward blew this coverage and this coverage. He missed it, that tackle. He's a better player than that. Yeah. And the thing with Sherm, too, like you remember that Rams game, the Niners won early in 2019 on the road when they just thumped the Rams. Right. Yeah, and it was kind of like that, that the first first drive, they ran it like seven times. And then Sherm, after in his press conference, is like, Jimmy Ward's one of the best safeties in the league. And he goes, Jaquaski Tart. Jaquaski Tart. Like, we're not like right. telling everybody how to pronounce his name. It was super funny. <laughs> but the point being, like it felt like bluster. And sometimes when Sherman's gassing up his own guys, it does feel like bluster. But like he was right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't like he doesn't really gas dudes up who don't deserve it. And obviously Sherman has a very high bar for what he considers a good NFL player. Yeah. Right. Even if uh, even if totally. those are his teammates and his guys and it's his prerogative to gas him up. But like he didn't do it in a way that was like lacking credibility. Yeah. So I've always thought he would be phenomenal on TV. Um, I wonder if he's going to go that route and be a TV guy long-term or if he wants to get in the front office, because I think he could, he could be a front office guy for sure. Work behind the scenes and yeah, talent evaluation and running an organization and all that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, looking forward to see Sherm on TV. Can't wait. I should try to get him on the podcast. You're dialed in. You're dialed into the broadcast, is what you're saying. Yeah, Pre-post Herb- and half, you're there. Yeah, and Herb Street's maybe Herb Street has some inter- interesting Trey Sermon. Oh, true. Nuggets, yeah. Ohio State. Ever heard of you, it? Uh, you, <laughs> you and you and Herbie in the the OSU. Sorry, the OSU group chat together. Yeah, for sure. Totes. Just like you, Kirk Herb Street, Eddie George. Mm. The Bosa brothers, the Bosas, and like Terrell Pryor. <laughs> yeah. When I was there, uh, Terrell Pryor was a, we we were both uh, our first years at that school were at the same time. Terrell Pryor was the number one high school recruit in the country. Yes, and like the number twenty two basketball recruit in the country. Yes, me and my buddies in high school were obsessed with Terrell Pryor. We were like, this guy is basically Jesus. So many Terrell Pryor high school highlight films were consumed by me and the homies. That's awesome. Love to hear it. I remember going to practice um, as a as a member of the Lantern. Shout out to the Lantern, the student newspaper at Ohio State. Totally. And just seeing like all these dudes with just completely ridiculous tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like I could never, you know, I've I I had one tattoo at the time. And Sick. like, <laughs> but it was small and like, I paid so a lot of tight. money for it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, and then I remember thinking is like, damn, I can never afford a tattoo like that. Like, that's cool. And then some buddies of mine, Zach Meisel and Jimmy Oldham, shout out to them, broke the story about the tattoo parlor that ultimately ended up costing huh. Jim Tressel his job. And I just remember having that observation and I was like, oh, yeah. I'm still learning this whole journalism thing that that maybe should have been a red flag seeing all these <laughs> insane tattoos of these football players who wow. probably didn't pay for them themselves. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. The Athletics, Zach Meisel, who's uh, very successful covering the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, nice. And my, and my buddy Jimmy is no longer in uh, 
journalism, I don't believe, but even better a, for him. Did a great job. <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Shouts to them. I don't know if they. I don't know if they. Uh, well, your cat. Hi? Your cat is. You gonna going go say hi? Wild on the video right now. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Shouts to those guys. Anything else about the Houston game? I think your cat is ready for you to stop potting. Yeah, he's hungry. <laughs> he's like uh, that's why he got so close to the camera. Since we're not on video yet. Uh, my cat was standing next to me looking at the computer and then just slowly made his way where his face was right up against the camera. Yeah, it was kind of like, who is this person taking up my food time? I think your cat has that dog in him. Dude, <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got I got nothing else. Excited okay. that the preseason is coming to an end. And man, less than two weeks from tomorrow, well, two weeks from the day this comes out is the NFL season opener. Yeah. Can't wait. And then um, less than a week later, is it? Yeah. Well, less than a week later is the Cooperage event. Yeah. Friday, September 16th. Mm-hmm. 8 p.m. ish. Get there whenever, but we'll start the panel at like 8. There will be candles to Chronicles Hazy IPA. We'll be raising money for charity. There will be a lot of cool people talking 49ers on a live panel again. It was awesome last year. You should come. Cooperage makes outstanding beer. It's, Candlestick Chronicles will be outstanding. The vibes are going to be immaculate. That uh, legit recommended it was, enough. It was a bunch of people having nothing to do with us and 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 our panel. Even without that, like get rid of the like before and after the panel. It was just a great time. It was just people hanging out talking football. I had no, very, I had no idea fun. how many people were going to go to the event. Mm-hmm. And I got there like pretty early. I got there probably like five, mm-hmm. and it was just Niner jersey, Niner jersey, yes, Niner jersey, Niner. Everyone. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. And it there ended up being a lot of people, and we're gonna have some buddies coming, um, hopefully some family members. It'll yeah, be, my mom and dad making it out. Yeah, bring your friends, bring your friends, bring your kids, bring your significant others. Can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. Friday, September sixteenth, Cooperage Brewing. In Santa Rosa, California. 707, say it backwards. (laughs) On that note, subscribe, review. We'll talk to you guys later.